0: Welcome back to the 5-Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I'm your host today, TJ Branson, flying solo for what I have been considering an emergency episode. We are talking hot and cold streaks. Can you believe it? Two games, two nights into the season. Uh, There is a ton of things to cover already, and I think we're all very excited to start looking at some hot and some cold streaks. That's what I want to do today. First, I wanted to highlight some really weird situations. Danny DeKaiser. On the top power play unit in Detroit and not Philip Heronik, I don't know how to feel about this. And I don't know what's going on. I imagine it's going to correct itself. I hope it's going to correct itself. But uh, it's very concerning so far. Shea Theodore, power play 2. That is confirmed in my notes here. I have a a sad face emoji. That's exactly how I feel. Uh, It's not a bad spot to be. You know, power play 2 in Vegas is still pretty strong. But it looks like I'm taking an L in that column for, for Shea Theodore Adam Fox today getting power play one wraps with D'Angelo. Not on the ice. I'm not sure what's going on. It looks like he might be in uh, on the taxi squad. So those are just some things that I've noticed going into the season here. Two days. Two days into the season. Let's talk about some hot streaks because we got a handful of those. A healthy handful of those. And some, some cold streaks that you might consider concerning here. So I want to start off with Kirill Kaprizov, man. Looked great. Looked absolutely great. I was watching that Minnesota game until I fell asleep last night. He scored the OT goal, looked really good. One hit, two shots on goals, one goal, two assists, and that's all at even strength. I want to highlight that because he did get close to eight minutes of power play time on ice. That's not something I expect to you know, be his average at the end of the year, but it's just worth noting going into that game. He probably got really good looks and some strong offensive minutes, 72% rostered right now. If you are not a Caprizov owner, this is one that I can co-sign and I'm a big fan. We've been talking about him all season, uh, off season, at least. And I think now more than ever is something you got to jump on. Nils Hoglander, somebody else that, uh, is worth looking at. I've been hearing his name pronounced Hoglander too. So, um, sorry if I am getting that one wrong 19 minutes time on ice per game so far 447 power play time on ice two through two games five shots on goal three blocks no hits a goal and two penalty minutes this kid is a great short-term ad now everything is relative to who you're going to wind up dropping so it, it's always like if 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 it's an improvement on the guy that you are dropping, if you have a dedicated stream spot, somebody like this is going to chew up that dedicated stream spot because it's not somebody that you want to drop. So always keep into consideration who you're dropping to add somebody like this. This goes more, I think, more important than ever here because JT Miller's coming back for that top power play spot. I wonder if for Tannen, when JT Miller comes down, for Tannen bumps down to line two and bumps Hagi out of the top six. Joel Farabee, the next guy we're going to talk about, somebody that has been a hot topic in all fantasy circles, whether it be Reddit, in the Discord, um, on Twitter, whatever. Joel Farabee, people are losing their minds. Four points, two secondary assists, two power play points, 14-12 time and on ice, 117 power play Tom on ice, and a little bit of shorthanded time and ice, too. Ah, uh, the one goal, three assists. I don't think he's going four points per game, but it is super exciting. I am not dropping anybody stable for him yet, but uh, if you do have like that dedicated streamer spot, uh, he'd be the one that I am grabbing outside of like Kaprizov if he's ready, or or Hoglander too. So these are guys that are worth a stream spot so far. I think Kaprizov probably the only one that I am uh, putting in that long term hold category so far, and then the second long term hold that I want to talk about is somebody that I am slowly and more like more quickly becoming a believer in Alex Romanov somebody we brought up in our last couple episodes here uh and a lot through the off season too especially when we were talking uh, our dynasty series back in last April almost a year ago Romanov three shots on goal one hit four blocks one power play assist 2130 time on ice in an overtime game with 3 minutes power play time on ice and 217 shorthanded this is one of the more believable ads that i'm that i have on this list i think too What I'm worried about, my only worry, is that they do have 2D on the top unit. And I know Weber's kind of playing in like a forward role on power play one in that Ovechkin spot. The point I want to make out of this is that Montreal has enough forward depth that they can bring somebody like Deneau, who's getting no power play time right now, onto a unit and go 1D on both units. And in that case, I think Romanov would be the guy that would get bumped down. Don't panic. Just with me saying this, because right now they are in a place where it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So I think that Romanov is somebody that, as of right now, is a short-term look that could move into a long-term look. His pedigree has been, he's a banger. And if you look at his KHL stats, a lot of folk are like, oh my god, he only had you know 11 points in the KHL. Or 8 points or whatever it was. He was playing 11 minutes time on ice in the KHL. So that that's not really indicative of what he's going to bring to the NHL. I think his under-20s, he was like over half-point per game, too. So if 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 he is an improvement on your roster, somebody like Hronik, if you're one of the folks that's worried about him, or especially a Yandel, Romanov is somebody that you can slot in there and I think would be an improvement on a Yandel. <clears throat> Rob Thomas. Looks like I'm eating crow one game into the year. So happy about that Jordan he was definitely an upgrade on Trocek Uh, he looked really good the only problem I have with him is he's only contributing to offensive categories there's no hits no blocks and not even a shot in his first game and two assists one of which was secondary with under 13 minutes time on ice so he's somebody that could probably bolster the bottom of your roster but still um, you know until he starts hitting some other categories or scoring at a more sustainable pace you know again The disclaimer here, the caveat, whatever you want to call it, we're one game in. So, and Mike Hoffman is going to be getting back into the into the lineup. So he's going to have better even strength line mates too. Um, Just keep an eye on that time on ice. I can't really put him into a long term hold category with under 13 minutes time on ice, but it's definitely worth noting. This one is one I'm super excited about. Josh Anderson, man, he is up to 59 percent owned. I think the last time we talked about him before. Uh, puck drop or anything, he was 51% owned, so he is on his his way up, so if you are like me, that you buy into Josh Anderson, which I do, you can catch him now, while he's only 59% available, so that means in 31% of leagues, what is that 41, Jesus, 41% of leagues he's available, 7 shots on goal in one game, 3 hits, 2 goals 17-17, power 17-17, time on ice with 209 on the power play, that's good stuff right there that is a great stat line um, another really good stat line is Connor Garland, who had seven shots on goal on 12 shot attempts. He's on the top line, second power play for now. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets top power play. Uh, so it's a sexy stat line on the unsexiest team in the NHL for what that's worth. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're looking for some, you know, offensive contributions in your roster, Connor Garland is one guy that is probably on your waiver wire that you could basically stream in and take a look at. Uh, Eric Gustafsson is one that I am tempering expectations on in Philly. I think at points leagues, I'd be a little more interested because the category spread is only offense so far. Uh, if the hits and blocks start to show up like they did in 18-19, then I think it's no holds barred. He could be owned in any league, and especially if he takes power play one, which right now he is uh, on power play two, but he has a power play point, And Ivan Provorov does not. So if if it is a race, you know, Eric Gustafsson's in the league. Um, all right, I want to talk about a. Actually, I got one more forward here. Nino need <laughs> Not something I thought I'd be, you know, saying anytime uh, again or anything. So uh, Nino is on a line with Ajo and Tarvainen. So I did watch that game a little bit last night, and I turned it off just because it was kind of. I mean, the, the, the shots were like forty to fourteen. Man, like it. It became evident that this wasn't going to be a close game, even though it was. It was like two zip or something, but uh, or maybe three. I forget. If they got an empty netter, Um, I don't see Rod Burnham breaking that lineup yet. Again, if it's not broke, don't fix it. They're going up against Detroit again today. I believe Uh, Nino scored a goal. He had three shots, a block. It's something to watch in points leagues um, for now. So like this is a line combination I don't trust. But as of right now, they're going up against Detroit and he's on that line. So it's worth (laughs) I got my my son's running upstairs. Um, Yeah, Nino, worth a watch. Let's talk about a couple goalies that you might not have taken a long look at just because of the the team that they're playing for. Two really good goalies on bad teams, Thomas Grice and Mackenzie Blackwood. Let's start off with Blackwood. He took an L. You know, it went to overtime. But dude looked dialed in, man. He went up against a Boston team that I expected to just wipe the floor with New Jersey. Blackwood was the best player on the ice easily like he was absolutely dialed in he was looking real sharp he put up a 946 save percentage and 35 saves he carried that team on his back Blackwood's going to take serious volume Crawford is he's retired and uh, the backup situation is still kind of gray right now so I think Blackwood is going to take volume he is a great goalie on a bad team so if that's something you know in volume leagues especially he's looking like he's going to give us league average or better save percentage and take a shit ton of volume. So Mackenzie Blackwood, dark horse for your roster. Um, you know, goalies are hard to come by and Blackwood is still pretty highly owned. He's up in the, uh, up in the sixties right now. So 61%, 39% of your leagues out there. You could take a look at Mackenzie Blackwood. If that's an upgrade on your roster, Thomas Grice is the next guy I want to talk about. Detroit has no help whatsoever, dude. Like, Grice saved 40 of 42 shots. He's going to chug pucks, 952 save percentage. And my only worry with him is that I think there's going to be some form of exhaustion. Like Bernier is going to be okay behind him. He had actually kind of a, an under the radar good year last year, albeit it was like kind of overshadowed by how bad Detroit was, but he put up good, good enough numbers that I was impressed for a Detroit team. That wasn't so great. Grice looked really, really good. Um, he was busy too. And on the other side, like Carolina only allowed Detroit to take 14 shots. So he was getting no support, but still put up a 9.52. He didn't get the win. I'm not expecting a ton of wins to come out of Detroit, but that's one area that he's going to, he's going to excel in. He's going to chug pucks. And every once in a while, he's going to put up save percentages like this again, not like totally expecting this every game, but, uh, Thomas Grice, you know, not as bad, As the team around him, great goalie, bad team right there in that tier. All right. I want to talk about uh, the most dropped players or uh, some cold streaks, if we can call it that two nights into the season. Capo Caco, first one, Uh, he put up zeros everywhere else except for one block and two shots on goal. He went minus one. He did just get bumped to line three for Leffanier, who only took one game to get into the top six. Sticking in New York, Tony D'Angelo is on the taxi squad. And Adam Fox, it's Adam Fox season, boys. He is practicing on Power Play 1. It's time to go make that swap. Uh, I would. I don't know what to do with Tony D'Angelo because last year was just so wild. And we're only one game in. So I don't want to panic too high. But if you have a roster spot in which you can sub Adam Fox in for somebody, I'm not dropping Tony D'Angelo, but I am trying to roster Adam Fox even though he's pretty highly owned. Uh, he was available in none of the leagues that I'm in. He's 86% rostered in Yahoo. So uh, it's not like I could just go out and pick him up, but just a PSA, Adam Fox, power play one. Cam Atkinson, 14.02, time on ice. Two of those minutes were on the power play. Columbus did not look great offensively yesterday against um, against Nashville. So like that's kind of a disclaimer here. So I see, I have Cam Atkinson, and I have Max Domi on this one, on this, like, most dropped Yahoo players. Um, Domi I can get, but, like, I'm still a little bit reluctant to cut bait just here because it's reasonable to assume that he is the bottom of your roster. The stat line wasn't awesome, but Columbus didn't apply too much offensive pressure. So, I personally, I'm giving Domi a couple games if I can, but if you're in dire need of that roster spot and Domi is at the bottom of your roster, it makes sense. It makes total sense. Uh, Keith Yandel is one of the most dropped players, and... He's on the taxi squad, so it kind of makes sense. Ekblad is taking the reins on power play one. And Keith Yandel brings nothing to the table outside of power play points. And if he's not on the power play with the big guns, I'm not interested. So Keith Yandel, I'm okay with dropping him. Uh, Like, the writing's on the wall. And, you know, early in the season, we have to be uh, on top of this kind of stuff. You know, like, as much as I want to say that we need to be a little bit Hesitant when we're like dropping Jason Zucker for Joel Farabee or, you know, dropping Klingberg who hasn't played a game yet for Alex Romanov. We need to we need to chill and we need to keep everything in relative uh, perspective here. So like if you have a Max Domi that you can drop or if you have a Keith Yandel that you can drop, then I'm okay with adding these hot guys. Uh, Well, but like these hot players that uh, that you can cycle in some of these these hot hands here. So that's fine. Like a Jeff Skinner who's next on my list, too. Fourth line, and uh, I there's some weird stuff going on like Tage Thompson on the top line, Olafson, uh, Eric Stahl, who is a game time decision right now, and uh, and Sam Reinhardt on line two. So, I imagine if Olafson get bumped up to line one, then Jeff Skinner could have a place in the top six. But for right now, he's waiver wire fodder, he played 14 31, had two shots, one hit. A minute and 57 on the power play. So he's he's on the second power play. So he loses that exposure to the big guys. Uh, not like we thought he was on the top line or anything. But if he does move up in the lineup, he's worth a stream. But right now, he should be on your waiver wire. Anthony Mantha. What is he doing in Yahoo's most dropped players, man? Two hits, 19 minutes time on ice. Like, I'm giving this one some more time. I don't know what the fuck is going on. What's wrong with you people? But, uh, dude, Detroit only put up 14 shots. And, like, I don't know what to tell you. Anthony Mantha should not be getting dropped. This is this is crazy. Um, yeah, but he is, he's on this list, and he should not be. Uh, Dominic Kubalik, another player that I'm kind of concerned about. 11.30 time on ice, 40 seconds on the power play. Zeros across the board in terms of his stat line. It's not looking great one game in. And, like, if you're antsy, you could probably... You know, cut bait, even though I do want to urge caution just because of how hot he was last year and how liable he is to go off. Chicago didn't look great, and they were up against arguably the best team in the NHL. They're going to shake things up. I guarantee it. Like, they didn't look good. They're going to come into today, I think, with different lineups, and maybe he gets top power play. I don't know. So, this isn't me like co signing, dropping him or anything, um, but I am extremely concerned about that time on ice, like under 12 minutes time on ice. So, this is more of just a Uh, like a public service announcement, a PSA here. Things look bad because right now he's on line two, power play two, where he is flying solo. Like he's on an island in that deployment. There's nobody on line two to help him out. There's nobody on power play two to help him out. uh, If he gets top line over to Brinkhead, I guess, which is is a fight. It's going to be an internal competition, but keep an eye on it. So uh, Kubalik is somebody that I'm a little bit worried about. Uh Voracek and Blake Coleman are the last two to hit this list before I post it up there. Uh Jake Voracek, line three, power play two, one shot on goal, two penalty minutes. Again, terrible ice time. That is that is something that's consistent here. Is fourteen nineteen a minute thirty on the power play? He's he's starting to inch his way towards drop territory. Like I I'd be okay with that. There are, there are guys in this hot streaks like Kaprizov or you know Josh Anderson that I would much rather prefer than jake voracek so you know if if you're somebody that's a worried voracek owner uh i don't know like josh anderson brings different things to the table than jake voracek so if you're making that swap you're looking at losing some assists uh the power play points that used to be uh pretty much reliable aren't going to be there in as high volume because he is on power play too so jake voracek looks like a drop to me just you know heads up blake coleman uh, he's not impressing me yet, but there is super banger potential there. So he should be on the wire for now. 17 thir- 17.37 time and on ice with three minutes, 18 shorthanded. Um, I- I'm just waiting for the banger stats to come. So I'm-, I'm putting him on my watch list, but uh, he is one of the more dropped players of this week, I think, of the last two days. So uh, it looks like people are making swaps. Ble- Blake Coleman for Joel Farabee or Blake Coleman for Kir- Kirill Kaprizov or Josh Anderson or Romanov or something like that. Totally cool. I can I can get behind that. So uh, I wanted to get this episode out there as soon as possible. I'm not going to edit. So if I, uh, you know, if there's some pauses or a mis- mispronunciation or something like that, I'm totally sorry. But for now, I wanted to get this kind of like emergency hot slash cold streaks two days into the season out there just because there's a ton of stuff to go over so um, i hope you guys enjoyed it you guys can leave us a review that would be totally rad or you guys can follow us at fhf hockey on twitter feel free to hop in the discord and until tomorrow i think you know round table all three of the guys are going to be here for uh for a week preview so sunday is the next time you guys are going to hear from us hopefully unless there's something wild that i have to get out on the air tomorrow But until then, guys, I love you.